Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Today we discuss another Bananas Week in the Trump White House and intense, voluminous listener feedback. All y'all have thoughts about our discussion on abortion. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pansu Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of Pansy Politics. We're going to cover the news, the Pennsylvania special election, Rex Tillerson's dramatic exit from the administration and the student walkouts, as well as all of your feedback on the abortion discussion we had on Tuesday's episode. We also had a really great conversation on The Nuance Life about mommy wine culture, if you're interested in checking that out. And as always, we love reviews and ratings on both shows. It helps more people discover the Pantsuit Politics and the Nuance Life. So the Pennsylvania special election is a testament to how important it is to go vote. Your vote matters. Word. 600 votes is not that many. It's not. I mean, do you think about the size of Pennsylvania? That's, it's mind-blowing. So go vote all the time. Vote, vote, vote. Register people to vote. You have to vote. So Connor Lamb has been declared the winner. I don't think, though, that the Republican has conceded yet, has he? 
The last I heard, he was still telling his supporters that he was continuing the fight. I mean, it's just so funny because, I mean, I guess we could do a recount. By the, by the time you're gone, the district's not going to exist anymore. For those of you who don't know, there has been a court challenge to the district lines drawn in Pennsylvania under the GOP control. And so it looks like they're going to get redrawn. So this district like literally might not exist in a few months. And yet we spent millions of dollars to defend it. I, actually, though, one of our listeners made a great point, which was, as for me as a Democrat, which was like, sure, spend your money there so you don't spend it other places. That's fine. That's fine with me. Dump, dump $12.5 million into something that's just all about the visual. The decision to send the president to do a rally for this candidate, to me, was a very poor one. Mm-hmm. It put this race... I think this race would have been an object of national attention anyway because we like elections and the cable news channels like to bring out all of their tools to talk about numbers. But it made this race so much more than just a a special election. There's like no win to him being there. No. Unless you think him going there is just going to blow it out of the water, which by that point they absolutely knew was not going to happen. They knew even if they eked out a win, it was going to be close. I think it was like all negative because they knew that there was still a lot of Trump support in the district, but it was still going to be close. Like it, the only spin is that he couldn't do it. He couldn't pull it off. This was bad. And also, can I just say the talking point of Connor Lamb is just a conservative anyway is weak, guys. It's weak. I thought you I, I wanted to hear your take on Paul Ryan describing conservatism as pro-life, pro-Second Amendment conservative. That's all he said. He said, did you hear that quote? I did not hear that quote, but I will tell you that I am at a place now with Paul Ryan where I'm just ready for him to be done. Oh, Paul Ryan. I'm so disappointed. I'm so profoundly disappointed in Paul Ryan. I don't know where to begin. Here's the thing. I don't understand why we have this one district in Pennsylvania And suddenly the national conversation becomes about whether this guy is a roadmap for Democrats. And how does this hurt Nancy Pelosi? It doesn't. Be quiet. Yeah, Nancy Pelosi doesn't care. She doesn't care what she said you say about her. She doesn't care. I loved there was a really great quote in the um, Politico playbook this morning. They were basically like, Nancy Pelosi has thick skin. Say whatever you want. She just wants the majority. And I think that is 100 percent true. If anyone thinks that Nancy Pelosi is losing one minute of sleep or worry about Connor Lamb denouncing her in this election, they don't understand. I think that's exactly right. And I think that's the the story here is that in this election, this candidate won. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. I don't think it is a larger story than that. I know everybody wants to do the hot take of Republicans should be scared or Democrats need to follow this model instead of running to the left. No, this was one district in Pennsylvania. They voted. It was super close. The end. I mean, I do think that this is just another brick in the and the whooping that's coming their way in November, I'm not going to try to lie. Like, But I don't think that that – I think it might be bigger than the usual shift in midterms. I think you're going to see higher turnout. Um, I think there will be an enthusiasm gap. And, but I don't think this is the sole piece of evidence for that. I think we've seen that over and over in the elections up until this point. And I think the message about Connor Lamb is like the candidate matters. Get a good candidate. I think that's the, the message. It doesn't have to be him or just like him. But I do think that candidates matter. And good candidates can make the difference, especially from a 20-point victory for Donald Trump to this close of a win for a Democrat, I think is a big deal. I also think that um, another thing I read in the playbook this morning that I really wanted to 
share. And again, since I'm giving so much love to the playbook, we should say, P.S., that on Tuesday's show, next Tuesday, this coming Tuesday's show, we will be talking with Anna Palmer from Political Playbook. And I'm so excited because I feel like I have coffee with her every morning because it's the first thing I read. So we're so excited to have her on and she can give us some insight um, into where what Congress is thinking these days. But somebody they shared a tweet from the NRCC that was basically like, if you're Republican, pretend you're run like you're 10 points behind. If you've really never had to have a campaign before, you need one now. Like it, they were definitely trumpeting it as wake up, pay attention. Like we all see the writing on the wall. Don't pretend like you're not going to have to run like your life depends on it. I guess. And I think there is going to have to be a message other than make America great again from these candidates. I do not think mm-hmm. running a bunch of people on Trump's message makes sense. I have been really frustrated locally. There is a candidate in for a for a local position And I don't know anything about this person. He seems like a perfectly nice human being. But the campaign materials talk about putting Boone County first for a change. What? And I'm like, what does that even mean? Put Boone County. That's all we do locally is put ourselves (laughs) first. And that is what everybody does locally. That's what you're supposed to do. And this is a super nice place to live. I don't think that we're shipping money to other counties constantly. I mean, I don't know what I don't even know what that means. It just feels like. I'm just hopping on board this national trend connected to the president. And the evidence to me suggests that especially in areas that are suburban like mine, that might not be the way to go. Yeah, seriously. And I don't like selfishness as our reason for being either. I mean, that I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I'll save them for another time. Um, also, while I'm just totally letting my gleeful flag fly here. I also really enjoyed that tax cuts was not as big a boon electorally as they hoped it would be because I did not enjoy those tax cuts. I do not think they're beneficial to the country as a whole. I think that they were passed in large part as an electoral strategy, and I'm happy to see that electoral strategy fail, and I'm not sorry about it either. I don't know that they've gotten that memo at the White House since they're talking about a phase two of tax cuts. I mean, what, like, first of all, Y'all ain't getting anything else done except for maybe that omnibus. So please, you got some other tax reforms coming. Sell it somewhere else. (laughs) Well, let's talk about Rex Tillerson, who was fired via tweet, which is something that I think the former CEO of ExxonMobil probably never saw coming. He should have, though. It just so many listeners were like, I was literally listening to you guys talk about him as the adult in the room. And look. You know, I read so many things that were like, Rex Tillerson was the worst Secretary of State in history. He couldn't get anything done. It's like the shortest tenure. And it's just so sad that, like, you know, that this is the reward you get for trying to be a moderating voice in the Trump administration. You get fired and everybody thinks you were crappy at your job. And he might have arguably been crappy at his job. I read an article that was basically like, there, there will be generational impact from his gutting of the State Department and the lack. There's like the applications for Foreign Service are way, way down. And I think that's all true. I just, you know, there is no reward for being a moderate right now in Washington, D.C., that is for sure. Which is a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem that Mike Pompeo is going to be the Secretary of State, mostly because the president likes him and feels that he's loyal to him. Yes. And it's so complicated because... You need to speak with one voice on foreign policy matters to the world. But you also need to have robust and healthy debate within the administration before you come out with that one voice. And clearly the president and Rex Tillerson were never on the same page. That seemed to be a deliberate strategy by the president to constantly communicate different things. But the idea that he's going to surround himself with people who are just going to say, oh, brilliant, brilliant thought, Mr. President, 
that's really bad for the country. And the rumor mill is that uh, McMaster is on his way out as well. Well, That's been the rumor mill for a long time. But yes, I mean, that is concerning. That is really concerning. And Axios has been reporting that the morale in the White House and the entire administration is terrible because you just don't know when your career is going to be ended via tweet based on the mood of the president. I mean, this is this is really bad. And it's happening at a time when Syria is raging, Mm. when the president is talking about direct negotiations with North Korea. And Russia is just doing whatever they want. (laughs) Yes. I mean, and, and, and you have the British prime minister speaking in much stronger language than we've heard from her on just about anything about retaliating against Russia for this chemical, this nerve agent that was used against a, a former Russian who is a British spy. I mean, it, the world needs some leadership. Mm. And mm. what we have is the president firing the secretary of state on Twitter and then reporting coming out about the president forcing him to eat a salad. Like, we've got to get it together, America. Well, and the president of the United States talking about how he was just winging it in a meeting with the Canadian prime minister. So I'm reading slash listening right now to Alyssa Mastromonaco's book um, about her time as the deputy chief of staff in Obama's White House. It's called Who Thought This Was a Good Idea? It's really good. I highly recommend it. And she tells the story about the climate change negotiations in Copenhagen in which it was a it was a very important moment because many of the developing nations, Brazil, India, South Africa, they wanted to negotiate them. They wanted to get them at the table. And there was a moment when they they basically heard that India had left and was at the airport. Come to find out, they they discovered that they were not at the airport, that China had actually been running a negotiation themselves with these three nations and excluding the United States on purpose. So the through the through the the very close work of both Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and their staffs, they discover this, they figure out where the meeting is, they run down there, they're basically like pushing past Chinese security guards. And she says Obama walks into the room and is basically looks at the, the Chinese leader and is like, hi, I'm, I'm so glad you guys waited for me. Basically, like just walks in, smile on his face. Hillary Clinton describes in her memoir like ducking under the arm of a Chinese security official to go in and be like, hi, guys, we're so glad you're you're ready to talk with us. Like weren't jerks about it. Like, weren't, like how dare you meet without us? Just came in and negotiated with these countries. And I thought, Wow. Like, my first thought, of course, was, how do we think Donald Trump would handle the situation? My second thought was, it doesn't matter because this is absolutely happening right now without the Trump administration. If we think for a minute that nations, China, India, other developing nations, Russia, are not moving forward and negotiating and making big decisions without us at the table because our Secretary of State has been fired by a tweet and he was not giving really any authority to begin with, then we are fooling ourselves. Like these situations are so complex and takes take such sharp strategy and such detail-oriented positive leadership that I just try not to think about what all we're missing by basically not being attention, paying attention and having a chaos administration. It's happening in plain sight on trade. Mm-hmm. You have Nikki Haley mm-hmm. at the U.N. saying that the United States will deal with Syria alone if the U.N. doesn't uh, back the resolution that she's offered on a ceasefire in eastern Ghouta. You know, we are 
we are just communicating to the world that we don't need anybody. And we're communicating that all the time. This choice of Pompeo for Secretary of State is being written about as though it's the clash of the nationalists versus the globalist. And that that Rex Tillerson represented the globalist and Mike Pompeo is clearly a nationalist choice. I don't see that. What I see it is as a clash of diplomacy versus brute force. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it is not like the Trump administration is disengaging from the world in any way right now. It is that the Trump administration is disengaging from all diplomacy. He would have just sent a mean tweet that they met without him and pouted and walked out. Truthfully. Like, I feel like that's what would happen. And and said, that's fine. We've talked enough. Yeah, we're done talking. I mean, that is the strategy here. We're done talking. That's fine. But the world's going to keep talking without us. And when we need their help, in a situation we're not going to get it because of this. I do think there are going to be generational repercussions to the foreign policy of this administration. It really upsets me. Well, and here's the other thing, too, though. Can I just say this about Russia? Like, I'm actually done talking with Russia. I would be happy for a done talking strategy with Russia. But that's like the one place we keep talking. Why? They interfered with our election. They're poisoning people on British soil. I'm ready to, like, channel my total internal Hillary Hawk here. Can we do something about that? I'm done talking about that, but that we're not doing anything on. Well, Theresa May is not taking it lightly. She has expelled more Russian diplomats than anyone has since the Cold War. It is a big move on her part, and she says she's not done, and I believe her. I I do not take Theresa May's rage lightly. And this could escalate quickly. And you think about the proximity of the United Kingdom and Russia. I mean, this is a big deal. And we're over here dealing with payments to Stormy Daniels to keep her quiet under the most poorly drafted non-disclosure agreement ever. I mean, I'm frustrated this week. I'm very frustrated. And can I just say, too, I'm watching The Looming Tower on Hulu. And the basic argument of this book and now this TV series is because of, you know, bullshit turf wars between the CIA and the FBI, because all of us were too concerned with Monica Lewinsky, it allowed 9-11 to happen. I mean, that's the, that's the basic thesis. And I'm not sure how wrong that thesis is. I haven't gone through the whole show and never read the book. But it sounds about right to me. And, you know, that's what's so concerning. is like we're so, we're so navel-gazing over here with Mr. Chaos that we're missing huge, important things. Yeah, I didn't realize until this morning when I was listening to a BBC podcast that the BBC is going to the United Nations right now asking for help because of the way that the country of Iran is treating its journalists. Wow. There are so many things happening in the world. Turkey is saying to the European Union, basically, go screw yourselves. We're going to do what we want in Syria. And in their own country. Just and, and in their own country. Yikes I mean, over there in Turkey. I just think we're, we are so consumed with stories about Diet Coke and McDonald's at the White House that we can't get it together at a time when we, we need to get it together. Well, and it's not just foreign policy. We have students across the country yesterday walking out in protests of gun violence. It's not like we don't have our own domestic That's issues right. to deal with as well. And our conversation about those walkouts has been consumed by a fight between parents over what level of activism is appropriate for their students. And guys, that's the wrong question. Can I just say, Sarah gave up Facebook for Lent and never have I felt more strongly about the wisdom of that decision than yesterday when I just got to take in the news photos of the, of the students, got some text messages from students walking out in Paducah, lived my life, 
didn't get engaged at all in this ridiculous debate about should they be walking out? Give me a freaking break. Because every 17 minutes of a public high school education is so important. Sorry. The thing is, this is education. Mm -hmm. We have a really messed up view of what education is if it doesn't include civic participation. Yep. And also, I just don't understand, like, this whole argument about this generation is that they're so checked out and they don't care about anything. And now they're caring enough about stuff and what, now they're whiny babies? I don't, whatever. I'm so confused. I think this is a moment for adults to listen. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not an expert on education because I had one. But that's how we all talk about school. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert on children. I have them, but I'm not an expert on them by any stretch of the imagination. But that's how we all talk about this. I cannot relate to the experience of being a high school student today. There are things that I just need to listen to. And honestly, high school students have so much good information about their friends, about the pressure that people feel about what they're going to. Instead of telling them that we're going to fix their problems by arming all their teachers, I think we should spend some time listening to them about what those problems are. And do they make Snapchat videos of dumb stuff and eat Tide Pods? Sure. I, I don't care. Like, I don't judge any adult's opinion based on the dumbest thing that adult does. I do. We shouldn't do that to our children. I do. I don't do it to kids, but I'm definitely going to continue to do it to adults. And here's the other thing. I... You know, the, I understand oh, Tide Pods is such a fun situation to uh, cite. Although not really because people are getting injured and that's rude. But the idea that, I mean, the data behind this generation is that they do less drugs. They drink less alcohol. They have less unsafe sex. And I think sex in general, teen pregnancy is down. Like the only statistic they have is the pressure they feel and their suicide rates are going up. So don't act like these kids are just, they're trying to tell us and we just don't want to listen. And can I just say to all the kids walking out and being, you know, criticized by either members of Congress, parents and the universe in between, it's cool, guys. Channel that rage right into the ballot box when you turn 18. Just direct it right there. One of our listeners, uh, Lorna, I think, commented on Facebook that her daughter is more of a letter writer. And she's teaching her to say, you're a protester? Awesome. I'm a letter writer. Would you like to write a letter with me? That's perfect. You know, mm -hmm. whatever your way mm -hmm. is, this, this shouldn't be a situation where anybody feels pressure to act, right? If you're a high school student and you want to be involved in this, you should be involved in it. If you don't, that's fine, too. But, but parents... Just listen for a while and make some room for whatever your students are telling you, because this is an important time for them. If you think that you if you think your student is unaffected by what's happening at high schools across the country, you're sadly mistaken and you can't will that out of them. You know, we don't I think we don't want to confront the very real risks here because it's too hard. Let's not take that away from the kids who are willing to confront those very real risks. All right, next up, we are going to talk about the feedback we received from our conversation with pro-life feminist Claire Swarnarski. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. 
It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. The first thing I want to say about the feedback we received from our conversation regarding pro-life feminist is that I am so proud of our community. We also got a message from Claire herself who said that she got a lot of messages of people disagreeing her, that everyone was polite, everyone was reasonable. I thought it was so great how many of you were like, it was hard to listen to, and I think it was important to listen to. Like, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that something was hard or difficult, and also the importance of having the conversation to begin with. I just, I was proud. I hope that's not condescending, but I really, really was. I think that this was an exercise in what is our capacity for hearing things that are uncomfortable to us. And... If we can't develop that capacity, we're going to stay entrenched. We're going to stay exactly where we are now if we can't develop our capacity for hearing things that we disagree with. And I do think that a lot of people recognized that and 
I understand that it's not one that you want to like play again three times. That's cool. But being able to hang with a difficult conversation like that, and it was difficult for all of us in the conversation. It is hard if you're Claire to show up in an environment where you know that both of us disagree with you and disagree with you strongly. It was hard for us to mm-hmm. not try to win some debate, right? Because we we do have strong feelings about this, and we didn't want to just retread the same arguments that have made, been made about this issue for decades. So it was a hard conversation for everybody. It was hard to listen to, and I think hard is worthy around topics like this that aren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think one of the big things I realized, like looking through all the feedback from everyone and thinking about our conversation is that, like, I understood Claire's point that she wanted to be philosophically consistent. I just realized that's really not important to me. It's just not high on my list of concerns. That I know that sounds weird because I feel like I've kind of been taught for so much of my life that logical consistency and consistency in your beliefs is the most important thing. And I'm just kind of going into this new phase where I embrace paradox. I embrace the word and. I embrace that we are a complex species filled with a universe of experiences. And as much as I would like simple, easy, consistent rules to apply, they just don't. They just don't. And so consistency is just not that important to me. That was one of my main takeaways. I liked your point about that during the conversation, that that is not the goal of policy. I think it is fine to prioritize consistency in your Mm -hmm. personal philosophy, We don't have consistent policies on anything. I mean, most law is arbitrary. That is the foundation of my conservatism, Mm -hmm. right? That most law is arbitrary, that government isn't great Mm -hmm. at solving problems, and that what you get is always something that is going to be a little bit off. Now, that doesn't mean you never have laws for anything, but, but that is why I tend to move away from legislation as a solution instead of walking toward it. And so I, I liked that you were able to separate those two things because you, you can absolutely, in your personal belief system, aspire to consistency and recognize that that is not the sole aim of, of policy or even one that, that is a reality for policy. Well, and we had a listener reach out to us very, with an incredibly tragic personal story about a pregnancy very much wanted that had to end in abortion. And I just realized when I was listening to her story and responding to her that like we try to take these laws and it's like we rewrite abortion laws and the way particularly like sort of state legislators talk about abortion laws is as if there is one universe of experience which is someone who has an unwanted pregnancy as opposed to you know even just the word pregnancy there is such a complex diverse set of experiences wrapped up in the word pregnancy It is not one kind of experience. There is so many different things that can happen. And trying to write a law as if pretending that there's only one sort of experience we're dealing with is so foolish. And it it helped me remind me of my conversation with Tamara, which is, you know, she basically said, like, I think they felt bad that I had this different experience falling under this law, but that I was a sacrifice we're willing to make. And responding to this listener, I said... How twisted is it that in my own experience with pregnancy loss, I've had the thought, I'm so grateful that my baby was already dead as opposed to incompatible with life but with a heartbeat. That is not a thought that a woman should have to think. I shouldn't have to think that in a policy situation. And Tamara shouldn't have to think I was a sacrifice they were willing to make. Like we want to simplify this to make the policy consistent instead of acknowledging that that's really difficult in the – complex experience of pregnancy. We made a choice in the conversation with Claire to not have it be a debate. 
it was important to us to do that. And I think some listeners found that frustrating and I, and I understand that the most difficult part for me to not turn into a debate during the discussion was when Claire acknowledged some of the complexity around these issues and then said, because they're big questions, she doesn't want the government to resolve those questions. Because my perspective is that having all abortion be illegal in all circumstances is the government resolving those questions. And it, it, I really Mm -hmm. struggle intellectually with how mandating birth in all circumstances can possibly comport with a conservative worldview. And I was talking to my husband about this Mm -hmm. and I said to him, I really have, I have a hard time finding space for that perspective because if I think about a situation in which I'm pregnant and I'm told that my baby is not going to be able to live outside my body and that carrying that baby to term and delivering it might kill me. And I have these two little girls who need their mother. I don't understand a perspective where that decision belongs to anyone other than my husband and me. I just, I can't. And, And I could see the two of us having really different choices in that scenario and struggling to make the decision. But I don't. I don't get a worldview in which that's not a personal private decision. And I'm not I'm not trying to bash Claire, who's not here to defend herself either. I, I wanted to hear her out as I've processed my own reaction to hearing her out. I, I just can't I can't find any space for for that worldview. I struggle with it. I respect it, but I struggle with it. And we you know, we have to talk about we talked a little bit in the show and I spoke about how, you know, I, I understand that, you know, making the woman the expert means that people will make decisions I wouldn't. And you and I were talking about some statistics you recently heard about Europe and the rate of Down syndrome births in Iceland. You want to share that? Because that's a really, that's a that's a tough application of the rule of the woman is always the expert in her own story. Yeah, I was sharing with Sarah that where I do find a lot of common ground and empathy for the pro-life position, the the adamant pro-life position, is when I come to understand how many babies are aborted in Europe upon a, a positive test for Down syndrome. There are so many families in my life with Down syndrome family members and, and other even more rare conditions that are going to make life harder for the children in the families. But they are such wonderful. I can't I can't imagine not having those children in the world. And so it breaks my heart to think about a culture where um, news of disability is unwelcome and so many lives are ended for that reason. And that is where I can I can be with Claire a little bit and see that this is life and and you deserve that life, even if your life is going to look different than mine, or even if your life is going to require more medical care or have different cognitive possibilities. Uh, At the same time, I I think I agree with you, Sarah, that I do have to accept that some people will choose differently, but, but foreclosing that choice, when I think through all of the possibilities and all of what that means... I I really have a hard time getting there. Well, and I think that it's still, you can still apply the woman is an expert knowing and the paradox is, is that we really aren't islands unto ourselves and we are influenced by so many things, including culture. And that to me is a culture and societal conversation that the government could for sure have a role in. If there was a 
public policy conversation, if there was a public service education campaign about the value of, you know, Down syndrome citizens or the acceptance of this is there are other choices available, I would not be opposed to that. I'm not opposed to trying to persuade women away from abortion. I think that, you know, as cognizant adults, we can take in lots of messages and decide what are most important under our own personal value system. And so maybe that's the conversation there, because that is, that's, uh, listen, there's no way to listen to that and not be disturbed by that. I don't think, I know when I don't want that, but I also just don't want to remove the choice. I don't think the way to influence it, someone's values or the cultural conversation is just to prohibit it, because I just, the, the, the implication of we know better than you is fundamentally problematic for me. Yeah, to keep it in strict political philosophy terms, again, I don't see why and how we would say that government has a role in in those types of decisions. And and saying mm-hmm. that abortion is illegal to me is the government in the strongest terms taking control of those decisions. Well, and we had a listener write us from Ireland where they're going to be voting on changing the illegality of abortion. And she was just talking about the long history in Ireland that it wasn't necessarily criminalized, but that even not making it criminalized can lead to really terrible consequences for women who still don't have that choice, who still don't have a safe and legal way to get an abortion. And so they either order it over the internet or even further back in history, they had, I mean, Ireland has some really, really, really terrible mother-baby home situations and children taken from their mothers. and all, all, It was bad. It was really bad. Um, and continues to be bad. Lots of listeners cited the death of a woman that we, we actually talked about this in my conversation with Tamara Twill, where she, this I can't remember the woman's name off the top of my head, but she needed an abortion. And because it was a Catholic hospital, she couldn't get it and she died. <laughs> and it was just that simple. I think it was a wanted pregnancy, but the, her, her health was at risk and she died. So I think that that, you know, to me, that those those are just not risks I'm willing to take policy-wise. I don't think that it is the decision that, that should put women in that situation, even if it's not explicitly criminalized. I agree. We got a message from Maggie about how valuable it is to have options in life. Mm-hmm. I thought this was so interesting. I thought this was such a good point. I did too. So so Maggie says, in the situation Beth mentioned, where let's say we live in a world with a very low abortion rate, but abortion is still legal. Families are doing well. Maternal health care is both accessible and high quality. We have early education opportunities, etc. I still think people will have unplanned pregnancies, and I still think that having the option, I don't have to do this, I choose this life, is really important. I agree with that 100%. I do, too. I, Sarah and— She described it as a pressure relief valve, which I thought was, like, such a way—such a great way to put it. Just, like, no—how many times have you been in your life where just, like, knowing you had the option changed the way you thought about the decision? Constantly, right? When I'm working with people in coaching situations, I often find myself saying, well, just a reminder that you're choosing this and you could choose otherwise— Because it is a pressure relief valve. When you're struggling in a marriage, to have one say, well, remember that you don't have to be married is a big deal. When you're struggling in a job, well, remember, you could get a different job. That's a really big deal. And something as fundamental as parenting, and and this takes me back to uh, the the situation of, of children who have special needs, I think knowing that you're choosing that is really important because Mm -hmm. when I think about with every advantage that I have in life, 
how exhausted and lost and lonely I felt while I was breastfeeding. The mothers who I watch lovingly care for children with developmental disabilities take that to a new level. And it is amazing. And I, and I think knowing that they're choosing to do that enhances the, the loving aspects of it, you know, because love is choice, right? You can't compel love. And so I, just to get kind of woo-woo about it for a second, I'm really with Maggie on our choices as human beings matter so much to how we're able to live out those choices. Again, this is part of why I'm conservative because I don't like to compel yeah. action. We also got a really interesting message from a listener who said, are nuance and politeness the same thing? He talked about after listening to our show with Claire, he said, this, that said, I keep running up against a question from time to time as I listen to Pansy Politics. Is there a difference between nuance and politeness? Usually I'm able to set the question aside and move on, but today I felt like I needed to pose it directly to you both. While I found today's exchange to be exceedingly polite, I didn't find it exceedingly nuanced, particularly on Claire's part. I give her credit for encouraging pro-life people to embrace polities that are more supportive of women and which would have had the effect of reducing abortion rates, but her position on abortion itself was actually not nuanced at all. You both gave her opportunity to soften the edges of our position, trying to find some common ground on the most divisive but central issues at hand, but Claire remained politely hard-edged at every turn. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? 
Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. What do you think, Beth? Are we polite or are we nuanced? Well, this question comes up a lot. And I, I, I think there is a difference between the two things. I also think that we undervalue graciousness in general and that sometimes because our culture is so aggressive we don't recognize conflict if that conflict doesn't look like full scale Mm. I am mad at you your existence and thought is offensive to me conflict if you listen to the conversation we had with Claire I think you could hear in our questions our discomfort with some of her positions You also have to think about what the purpose of an interaction is, though. And like I said, we very deliberately did not have Claire on to debate abortion with us. We had Claire on because she represents a perspective that we are not able to represent. And I think that we sat with that dissonance in a way that is unusual. I talked about this on Instagram I think about music a lot and how when you have dissonance in music, your ear just can't wait for it to resolve. You can appreciate the dissonance, Mm. but you need it to resolve. And I think that part of the trouble with discussions like the one we had with Claire is that it's not Mm -hmm. going to. It's not going to resolve. We can find some common ground. We can all like each other and respect each other's intellect and respect each other's spirituality, but our dissonance is not going to resolve, and that's really difficult. I don't think it is wrong or that it lacks nuance to be able to sit with that without turning it into full-scale aggressive conflict. So I guess my answer is I think they're distinct from one another, but I don't think that we should devalue being polite and gracious and treating someone with whom you have serious disagreement as a guest in your home, which is what the what that's what it is when we bring a guest onto our podcast, right? It's like having a guest in our home. I want all of our interactions with listeners to be like you're coming to my house and sitting down at my table and we're talking to each other. And so I'm going to be exceedingly polite because I value that and I think we all need to value it more. That doesn't mean that I cannot maintain disagreement and and bring that disagreement to bear at an appropriate time without it escalating into something very personal. Yeah, I think that we just don't have any good understanding or vision of what it means to move forward in disagreement anymore. We just that conflict must end and winning we either win or we force them to agree or we don't have any other way to think about it. And I kind of want to just go talk total Dr. Phil here and just be like, how's that working for us? Like, is that, do we like the result? Do we like the result when I'm right and you're wrong 
and that's the end of the discussion because I don't. And as a liberal person, I'm going to say something hard. We're not always right. We're just not. I shared an article the other day on um, Twitter and Facebook. It was like it's how to be an adult. And his argument was basically like democracy is the best system we figured out to just acknowledge that we're one side is going to get it wrong. Like we're just going to get it wrong. And when one side's totally in control, we screw up. And so when we're always saying, yeah, I don't agree with Claire. I don't. I don't agree with her at all. But I want her at the table because you know what? Sometimes I'm going to get it wrong. So, for example, let's let's take a hard look at what we just talked about in Iceland. If the pro-choice side got everything they wanted, great health care, support for women, post-natal care. I mean, it's that, that country is a wish list for how to treat women. And arguably, perhaps because there aren't enough pro-life people at the table, we have a culture that is slowly eliminating human beings with Down syndrome from their population. Is that what we want? Is that what we want? When we think we're right and if we could just get the reins, we'd right this ship. We really have to think that through. Because we're not always right. And we need other perspectives at the table. And we even need people. My friend sent me a, um, a really interesting Washington Post story about basically we turned people from conservative to liberal by making them less afraid. And I think that sounds really great. But sometimes, you know what? You need somebody at the table who's afraid, who says, wait, 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 what about this? Wait, 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 what about this? Because we're just really terrible at predicting the future and thinking that if we bring all these values to the table, everything's going to turn out great. I mean, look at tech. Uber was going to eliminate traffic, except it made it worse. 3D printers were going to be great, except the first thing somebody printed was a gun. The electricity grid was built on growth forever, except we got it wrong. We're not always going to need more electricity. We get things wrong, and that's why we need other people who see things very differently at the table than us. That's what good, polite disagreement looks like. It looks like we all get there, and we have a moment where we think, oh, wait, what if I'm not right about this? How would I view it differently? How would I make a different decision if someone pointed out that my brain and my values do not represent the entirety of human experience and do not represent the entirety of what should happen in the future? Like, I just think that that's what we've lost. We've lost that, yeah, we're gonna, we're just going to get it wrong. To acknowledge that somebody else's experience is valid, even if I disagree with it, is to acknowledge that I'm not perfect and I'm not going to get everything right. And surely we can acknowledge that no matter what side of the political aisle we're on. And sometimes there isn't right and wrong. Mm-hmm. There are questions, particularly about abortion, that I do not know the wise, ethical, moral, spiritually guided answer to. So it's important to me to have conversations in which I am a listener and a questioner. That's what we wanted to do with Claire. We didn't bring her on to um, score a bunch of points by highlighting contradictory elements of her position or elements of her position that are not thought all the way through. That wasn't the point. The point was to listen, and I think we need more listening. And I'll tell you what really irritates me. I, about this whole situation, and this is no, I'm not mad at this listener for asking the question. I think it's a good question. But I had an experience at a women's conference once where I was talking about leadership and about how to develop your own leadership style. And I, and I talked about being confident and assertive and gracious. And a very young woman in the audience really went hard at me about how sexist it was to talk about needing to be gracious as a leader. 
No, that is not sexist. Mm -hmm. We are being made to believe it is sexist because it is devalued. Mm -hmm. Right? That is a traditionally feminine energy characteristic. It is not that all women behave that way. Okay? It is just that it is traditionally seen that way and it is undervalued. And so as women, we have started telling ourselves, well, I shouldn't be like that. I should adopt all these traditionally masculine characteristics. Otherwise, I'm a doormat or I avoid conflict or I do any number of things that are going to hold me back in the workplace. The truth is, I think what our world needs is a lot more people capable of just listening and a lot more people capable of expressing their disagreement politely in ways that keep everyone invited to be here together. Mm -hmm. Because that's the situation. I want Claire in this country with Mm -hmm. me. I want to prioritize my relationship with Claire as a fellow American over my need to be right on this policy point. Even though this policy point, arguably more than almost any other, threatens my understanding of my own agency in life. As a white woman, I don't have a lot of policy that directly threatens my own agency in life. So this is an issue that we take there as white women because it, it, that is the closest experience that we often have with the experience of some of our fellow Americans whose very identity is threatened all the time in many ways. I think it is important, even though I feel that, to say it is more important to me to be in community with Claire than it is to be right and to have an episode where we end and everybody says boy you guys really showed her that's that's not the goal and that's why I think being gracious to me is a part of being nuanced I'm not sure you can really have a position that acknowledges the grays and acknowledges the paradox and holds tension and sees things on a spectrum without being able to open yourself up to conversations like that with a little bit of of grace and calm and and just kind of chill about the whole thing. Because mm-hmm. I think being gracious and polite is just acknowledging the other person's right to respect. And that has to be the first step in nuance. You can't acknowledge paradox and gray without acknowledging that the person presenting to these opposing values, facts, opinions, whatever, is deserving of respect. And that doesn't mean that sometimes we are going to have intense disagreement and be on opposite sides. If I were sitting in a state senate across the aisle from Claire, I would vigorously oppose the policy of abortion being illegal in all situations. What we're going to hear in email in response to this conversation is, no, nice is not a virtue. Fine. But I think graciousness is, and I think we could have that floor debate vigorously and then turn around and work on some other policies hand in hand. And that is what I think is missing. And I don't think you can do that Mm -hmm. if you always decide that it is more important to be right than to be gracious. When I think about Trump going to meet with Kim Jong-un, I really hate the discussion that's being had about that trip right now because everyone is saying, what are, what could he get out of it? Now, look, I'm no fan of Kim Jong-un. I am terrified of that regime and their capabilities. I think what they do to their people is abhorrent. If we're going to enter into a diplomatic conversation with them, the first question for the first conversation should not be, what are we going to get out of it? The first question What can we learn? What can we build? How can we establish some trust here? Mm -hmm. 
Amen. I don't have anything to add, and I think that's a great point to end on. Thank you all for joining us as we kind of work our way through a lot of a whole lot of things. <laughs> as we got riled uh, up, but it's good. I mean, look, this is a hard time in our country's history, and Sarah says we have to lean into the suck sometimes, and that's where we are. And I appreciate everybody being willing to do that with us. I hope you'll be back with us on Tuesday as we talk with Anna Palmer. We're very excited about it. Uh, We have lots of great stuff planned for you next week. So come on back in the meantime. Thank you for all of your support for the show and keep it nuanced, y'all. And gracious. Thank you to our executive producers, Nicholas, Chad, Tracy, George, and Sabrina. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. You can also hear his work and get more nuance by checking out our podcast on family, relationships, and values, The Nuanced Life.